welcome back to the Chemist Confessions Podcast. A human conversation on skincare science. Ta-da! <laughs> um, I'm Gloria. <laughs> and I'm Victoria. And today we are talking all about oily skin. That means Gloria's going to be very, very quiet this episode. <laughs> no, 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 no. Still a lot of science there. Um, but first things first, to get this thing started... What are we drinking today, Gloria? All right, guys. Please, I know no one's a fan of this, but <laughs> our own cocktails are back in the house. So We're today, <laughs> we have a Woodford Reserve whiskey mixed with uh, what looks like a leftover bottle of carrot turmeric juice from Trader <laughs> Joe's with a dash of Gatorade Zero. Yeah, and uh, this is pure Gatorade and uh, mixed with Woodford Reserve as well. Some of you may think that's pure poison, and uh, you might be right. <laughs> yes. So the story goes, I was mildly curious about the um, carrot turmeric and made a little mixture with just the two. Yeah, Victoria took a sip and was like, ah, 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 no, no, no. So I the gave her Gatorade. Was- <laughs> <laughs> so that's what we're drinking today. Yeah. So, um, on, but before we get started and get into the news, um, we should definitely do a brand update because we definitely have a brand update. Today. Oh my god, it's, it's it's a real one this time. Yes. So the hatchery yes. is coming back. What is the hatchery, Laura? The hatchery at this point is going to be a brand new beginning again, but um, it's reborn it's, like a phoenix <laughs> out of the ashes. It's been limping along and trying to set itself on fire, but it's following back again. Yeah. Um, it is where we invite all of you guys to join us on our product creation um, journey. Yes. Um, long story short, we know the good actors we want to use. We uh, know the type of product we want to build, but we're only two people with two sets of opinion when it comes to your textures and minor yep. preferences um so that's how we did the blank slate we had two formulas we thought were equally gentle and yeah. efficacious on our skins so we took it to you guys um saying as baby steps we want a gentle exfoliant um but we weren't quite sure which active combo to hone in on so that's also how we tested it and this time it's finally for mr reliable gentle guys we made it to this milestone so what happens is Mr. Reliable has surprisingly garnered a lot of really loyal followers mm-hmm. and um, not surprising that it's not a good formula, but more so that moisturizers, because it can be so personal, mm-hmm. we're honestly just really impressed that um, it definitely, um, the texture is incredibly appreciated. And that's really hard for us because that's definitely, it's not a science. It's mm-hmm. definitely, um, definitely user choice. So this is when we need all of, you know, um, basically anyone that's been a fan of Mr. Reliable, we want you to test these new creations. We have two that we're thinking about. Um, really want your take. Um, mm-hmm. How does it compare to the original? Also, the differences be- between the two formats. So it'll be really exciting to see what everyone thinks. And just a little insight to uh, a life of a chemist is sometimes texture is the last thing. It's kind of, it feels like the bells and whistles of a formula. So we start out with a list of active ingredients you want right. to use, a general idea of who we're targeting, right. and then towards the end, you want to finesse the texture. Mm-hmm. That is the most bitchy part of a project because it's a little subjective, 
and it's a lot of back and forth and just little things and sometimes the tiniest things can change and end feel there's so many days that Victoria and I have like four or five jars in front of us. We're like, ah, oh, yes, yes. B is a tad more sticky than C. A little more powdery finishy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's just that's just how it is. So we can't wait to get that started. It's been so long since we've done a hatchery. We can't wait to get everyone's feedback and just bring back the community on this. So um, definitely look for um, updates. Um, we'll be talking about it on the Instagram. Also, if you haven't subscribed to the to our email subscription, that's also a great way to stay on top of that news. Um, also, we should probably mention that when we did the hatchery last time, we had to shut it down, like, in terms of the form within yeah. the day because we had way too many people partake and actually we can only take in, like, 60 individuals at a time just because it can be very cumbersome honestly know that at the time it was the two of us lovingly hand filling these samples so there is uh there's a cap to our time yeah. and also at the end of the day um sometimes we, we try to include as many people as possible yeah. um but sometimes we also have to look for people with the right criteria um as victoria mentioned we're looking for anyone with uh, a spectrum of skin type but prefer uh, preferably those who have used the original mr reliable so keep an eye out for that yep. study sounds good and finally we're gonna end on some nice words <laughs> so today's nice words is about Aquafix. Um, so Gloria, you want to give it a read? Yes. So um, this reviewer says, "I the title is, I have been using this daily for two and a half years. What else is there to say? Literally the life of our <laughs> brand. Yes. I use so Aquafix morning and night all over my face, neck, chest. As a first step in my routine, I mix exfoliating acids. Were other actors into as well? It's soothing, hydrating, doesn't irritate my eyes, and has no fragrance. I always order two bottles at a time because I never want to run out of it. Please never stop making Aquafix. The only thing I wish is that there could be a refillable travel size. The one in the Travel Buddy kit doesn't last me very long. Yay! That I feel like that captures everything we wanted Aquafix to do. Soothing. Um, absolutely doesn't irritate. You know, she's clearly very concerned about products that irritate her eyes. She's mixing it with acids. It's like everything that Aquafix we envisioned it for. So awesome. Yeah, and also two and a half years. That's about as long as Aquafix has been alive. So thank you for being a fan so since the beginning. <laughs> yeah, so awesome. Thank you guys. Um, so that's it. We're just gonna get Jump right, right into, into the, the news. news. In the news. All so right. what's going on, Victoria? So first piece of news mm-hmm. I do have to credit to the fiance. <clears throat> Um, so he sent me this article um, and it actually talks about the MLB and they are actually taking a stance on sunscreens. So what happens is for anyone who is not in baseball is that they have been having a foreign substance abuse, not in in terms of drugs, but actually um, they're pitchers. Sticky stuff. Yes. So pitchers will look to find creative ways of um, creating a concoction that they can rub on their fingers so that they um, will give them more grip. They can create more spin on the ball, just honestly up their game. Um, So what happened is the MLB is actually banning pitchers from using sunscreen. And um, this is like a veteran pitcher a long time ago. I only know him because he played on Astros. Roger Clemens did come out and talk about how like, 
oh, like the now all you're gonna see is worse pitching and skin cancer. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I do appreciate that there is yeah, this awareness of sunscreens. <laughs> um, but yeah, so what happens is, and I, I thought it was fascinating, is the umps will actually check on these pitchers if they when the pitcher pitches the ball and the ump gets the ball and they feel like it's a little stickier than usual, they will go and like check the pitcher's <laughs> hands, their clothing, their hat, like to see like if they're actually lining it with any sort of substance. And they actually tested that um, usually what they're allowed to use is rosin, just mm-hmm. rosin. But what they'll do is they'll mix rosin with sunscreen. Oh. And they found that it created like a synergistic effect that will give them an additional 500 RPM on the ball. Like, they're, think about how much spin they can get you know with sunscreen. I want their insider list to which sunscreen adds the most stick. Yes, <laughs> I was just thinking that. It's so fascinating. So anyways, I uh, today I learned. And um, in terms of what they advise, they say pitchers have been advised not to apply sunscreen during night games. Mm, after the sun has enough. gone down or when playing in stadiums with closed roofs. So... There you go. And we'll be also have it out for sunscreens. <laughs> <laughs> Call us if you have a list of stickier sunscreen shown by the MLB. <laughs> yeah. So other than that, um, I started going hunting um, since now there's a lot of buzz on TikTok mm. with beauty. Um, there's actually some trends coming out. I don't know if Gloria's. Uh, we, oh. we honestly don't do a lot of TikTok. Yeah, so for those of you who missed it, we did a live, uh, joint live sesh with the Skin Consult. Yeah. And Dr. Sajani was giving us a quick, uh, around a quick fight, shoot, <laughs> <laughs> a quick Q&A. And it was stuff like, what's your favorite product? You know, like, what's your, like, least favorite thing, whatever. And then she asked, like, ooh, where's TikTok skin trend? And we are like, uh, we, we don't we don't watch TikTok. We're so uncool. <laughs> Not keeping up with the times and the children. Yeah. So I finally went hunting. I wanted to see what's going on. So one of the things is saltwater sprays. So there is a to influencer. Accomplish what? Yeah, so for acne. Oh. Um, basically, one influencer believes that when she comes out of the ocean, um, when she's swimming at the beach, she finds that her skin is much clearer, her acne is better, and therefore, um, she does like her own saltwater concoction. Um, so that that's a thing. Um, now there is like some science on like how salt can be helpful in terms of soothing and whatnot, but in terms of an actual practice of treating acne, uh, I wouldn't say that. But anyways, also I, I I find that when I go to the beach or like go into the ocean, my skin is extra garbage afterwards yeah oh yeah and i feel like in terms of hyperpigmentation it's so bad yeah like the acne if you have any like um fading acne acne on its way out like that surface hardens it's darker it's just not by the way fun fact well maybe not fun fact we just did a controversy on sunscreen uh sunscreen's last episode yeah salt water is also really hard to formulate for so a lot of water resistance tests actually it's uh it's done on in fresh water so um when you go to a beach so it's like apply more regularly than you would yeah agreed um, second one, which Gloria is going to love, is called <laughs> sunscreen contouring. So basically, you only apply sunscreen to the contour areas of your face. So it would be like the tip of your nose, your cheekbones, and you kind of let the rest tan in. 
Listen to our stuff. Like they'll never do this, but if you see people doing this, can you tell them not to send, do this? Send them to us. <laughs> We will talk to them. Yeah. Uh, another trend is drinking chlorophyll. Not necessarily new. So, so what's the difference between drinking a, clor- a chlorophyll supplement and like a spinach shake? Or I was gonna ask, what's the difference between that and drinking a turmeric whiskey drink? <laughs> No difference whatsoever. <laughs> This is not a scientific assessment, but I'm. I, you know what? It's I'm delicious. Just kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's it's yeah, that's a ingredient that's trending. I'm not too sure. Um, also, they've noticed that there's five times more engagement on at-home micro-needling. <gasps> no. So as much as we've been talking about and how you should not do this, it is concerning that it continues to grow. And the reality too is, um, I, I just feel like we're in an industry where. Um, I think it gets undeserved bad press in terms of like dangerous chemicals. Like you know, you get um ingredients that gets thrown under the bus unjustified. But at the same time, it's also an industry that you know they sell things that kind of skirts around the line of like of things that's not regulated but not necessarily super safe. Like yeah. micro needling, we've been saying since day one. This is just not something we really recommend at home. You're not gonna get the results you want and. Odds of you actually damaging your skin is is high, but we keep seeing new new brands coming out with it. It's everywhere, and I think also because it sells. Yeah, and what's so tough is that irresponsibility yeah. in selling these microneedling and not giving proper instructions, not telling the user that like the needles damage after first use, and then it's just not the same activity. It's also introducing. Dirty bacteria, you know, it's like that stuff, and that just you don't hear about that, and that's what gives us a lot of fear. Don't um, do it. Yeah, exactly. So, and then finally, this one I try to look into, but I don't quite understand is putting potatoes on your acne. Wait, come again? Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe it's like a you know, I ran out of lemons, I ran out of cucumbers. Ah, it has potatoes. Patatas? <laughs> Wait, like raw potatoes? Raw potatoes. Oh, I thought it's like mashed potatoes. Oh, that'd be rude. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to waste a mashed potato. It's true. Yeah. So, anyways, those are some trends on TikTok at the moment. I want to share with Laura. I am baffled. But is there a, a species of potato? I don't Yukon, think so. <laughs> Idaho, <laughs> sweet potato, yeah. purple potato. I gotta I know. know. No clue. But if you do know, write to us. I just really know. feel like. If it exists, someone has tried to put it on their face before. That makes me really sad, but it's probably true. Yeah, like oh, well, I, I like every vegetable under the sun. Every vegetable, and also any science, uh, scientific uh, discovery that mm. oh god, I can probably have half an episode about this. But there's like a, a, a trend where there's maybe a raw material or a, a material science breakthrough where they. Find a new thing, and the application in say pharmaceuticals takes a long time, and they're like, "Well, what do I do with this in the meantime?" Uh-huh. Yep, they put it in skincare. That's usually how that goes. Bucky balls, aerogel, I can, yeah. Yep. <laughs> no, that's that's actually exactly how that goes. Mm. Um. All right. Uh. Now it's time for actually some product launches, which we haven't had in a while. Mm-hmm. Um. We totally get it. COVID. We faced product development challenges, operational challenges, but they're starting to all come out now. 
Um, one of them is soft soap um, is actually coming out with a refillable hand soap. So um, it's for $6, you get a refillable bottle and you get two tablets that's worth two bottles of hand soap. Mm. Um, so I just thought it was kind of cool seeing like big players come in trying to do their part in sustainability. Um, but I what, I what I did want to highlight about this is that sustainability is still like we're not there yet in terms of price. So if you think about how much you pay for a soft soap little bottle, mm-hmm. um, it's a dollar. But in order to buy this kit of two, it's six dollars. So if that gives you an idea of how like we're working towards that, but it still comes at a price. Yeah. Um, so um, this is I actually remember watching a brand that proposed an idea like this on Shark Tank. Mm-hmm. Um, basically refillable cleaners. Everything comes in tablet mm-hmm. form. Um, yeah, in terms of formula, it's a great way to lower footprint. Mm-hmm. It's also a great way to lower gray water, like water waste in production and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I, what I find interesting is the concept of refillable bottles is um, it works when people have good habits with it. Yes. But then when like, I was thinking about I was like looking at all the tote bags that people are um, selling in place of um, in, 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 in place of single use plastic bags. Like Trader Joe's. Yeah. Good ideas all around, but I can't help but wonder, like, how many of them accidentally, like, end up back in the landfill because you get them at trade shows, you get them at work, you get them here and there, and people don't, people tend to forget them, and just, you know, things like that, and also I saw, I think it was L'Oreal, they have a concept called the Forever Bottle, Mm -hmm. it's also a refillable concept, I'm thinking, like, so that means it's never gonna biodegrade, right? (laughs) (laughs) So, I totally agree, it always comes with, starting with the habit, right, and I have a gripe with the whole plastic bag thing because yeah. in Cali, you can't, um, they don't give you plastic bags, mm-hmm. which I think is great. It just does make you mindful of your use of plastic bags. But the plastic bag cost is only 10 cents and those bags are even thicker plastic. So mm-hmm. like, you know, like if someone who isn't very mindful, they're like 10 cents doesn't mean a lot to me. I'm going to buy five of them and they just keep up that habit. That's like, is that really solving it? I, I don't know. It's hard to say. And yeah. Yeah. yeah I feel but. like we as a species learning as we go. So it's yeah. good that there's movement, but yes, yeah. it's yeah. still very much a progress. Exactly. All right. Next thing. Um, we're going to do a quick decode for Gloria. Um, there is a launch from Organic. We're actually, because there's two products. The first one is from Organic Pharmacy. They have a call. They have a new product called the New Diamond Face Cream. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna run through this really quickly. Um, the IL. I'm gonna read like maybe the top ten product, uh, ten ingredients. It's Rosa Damas, uh, Rosa <laughs> Damascena flower water, uh, shea butter, glycerin, cetero ethyl hexanoate, uh, sunflower seed oil, squalane, cetero olivate, marisol meristate, benzyl alcohol, sorbitan olivate. So that's like just within the top 10. And then you've got a lot of plant oils falling underneath. Gloria, what's your take on this new diamond face cream? And we'll we'll showcase the aisle here. Gloria has the full aisle in front of her. Just want to see where her head's at on this. So first things first, I am not sure where the name new diamond came from. <laughs> yeah. Um, but... It's a very classic, very, very, very classic cream. Mm-hmm. Um, my first thought is it's probably more for um, people with dry skin, mm-hmm. uh, less than oily skin with butter in the second place. Uh, if you're dry and want to try a cream like this, I would suggest using a hydrating serum uh, underneath it. Yep. Uh, with butter in the uh, second place, a glycerin, uh, water grabbing glycerin only in the um, fourth place. 
That probably means that um, glycerin is probably under 5%, probably around like 2 or 3%. That would be my educated guess. So, um, yeah, definitely layer. Uh, Maristol Maristay can be a comedogenic material for some. It's not at a very high place, so I wouldn't be too worried. But overall, I expect a very, very classic thick creaming film from something like this. Yeah. And then I just wanted to mention, um, La Mer has come out with a hydrating infused emulsion. This is 1.7 ounces. Can you guess how much La Mer's infused emulsion is? And can you guess how much Organic Pharmacy's face cream is? Actually, I'm not very familiar with Organic Pharmacy's um, brand. It just, it has a name that sounds like it's sold at Trader Joe's. So I'm going to go with $20 okay. on the cream. Okay. La Mer 1.7 ounces. I don't know Hydrating what... Hydrating infused em- I don't know what the hell they're infusing with it. Emulsion, they try to make it a fancy word. It is not a fancy word. <laughs> it's a function. So it's I'm going to say $250. <laughs> okay. So this is all very surprising to me looking at some of the product launches. La Mer's emulsion cost $110. Oh my gosh, so reasonable. Which I am like so shocked. And I don't know if they're getting a lot of flack, but that price point I think has definitely come down compared to some of their other products. When a cleanser is $90 and an emulsion is $110, I'm like, oh, they, they came down in price. Yeah, they're probably starting to shift a little bit in their positioning. Maybe, we'll see. Yeah. Um, organic pharmacies cream, $400. Come again? <laughs> Come again? <laughs> oh, the Jordan got me good this time. Wait, what? <laughs> wow, I feel like the PR team that kind of after me for saying like, oh, with a name like that, sounds like you're sold at Trader Joe's. <laughs> <laughs> Not knocking Trader Joe, uh, Joe's products. No. They have some great basics, which is Not honestly, all. that's what this ingredient list reads like. It's like, <laughs> it's a basic cream. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was really that, surprised. That, that's a good one. Yeah, I yeah. like it. I like so, it. So, anyways, there's that. And uh, finally, we have um, Hiram uh, launched his brand Selfless with a partnership with Inky. Mm-hmm. Um, we both took a look at it. There's only five products available. There's a moisturizer, has three serums. One's more retinol, niacinamide, and oily skin focused. And then uh, they have a gel cleanser. Um, all in all, I got really, I got vibes of like, like naturium kind of angle. Oh, you know, yeah. It's like, it does call out like a main ingredient, but it does buffer with like um, kind of like a nice extract. Um, I will say probably one thing that we were, we found interesting was um, the transparency that they share. So if you look at um, the about section on the product, for example, they talk about one of their products has 5% green tea complex. Um, but then if you click under it, it says, but it only has 0.25% green tea stabilized by glycerin. Um, so for us, like, I, I guess my question for Gore is, how do you feel about that kind of transparency? So uh, I'm a little torn because yeah. I think on one hand, I think it's fair to call out that hey, I have this extract, yeah. and, and we've always mentioned that as chemists, you, what people don't know is an extract is a complex blend, mm-hmm. and the active level material vary far and wide in, uh, in between, depending yeah. on where you get the extract from. So it's great that they call it out, but at the same time, I think the way the brand phrases is super confusing. It's like, wait, what? Is it 5%? 0.25%? Yeah. So, and I also want to say, like, some of the other ingredients they call out, like, gave me a hearty chuckle and maybe this can be a herb clean corner because i 
some of his product, I think one has like 14.565% yeah. things like that I'm kind of like I don't think it helps I think it, it, it seems a little confusing yeah. but I guess valiant effort yeah I think for me I'm like kind of torn and this is where like we're definitely in this we're still very much learning about like transparency I think brands are learning about transparency mm-hmm. and for us like when you throw out numbers like five percent of a complex you know um in this sense the way we would look at transparency is we would only claim 0.25 percent of this green tea mm-hmm. and then this five percent kind of skews like the image of your formula and active so mm-hmm. like uh like for instance there was another example where they talk about the retinol they use they use two mm-hmm. percent of an encapsulated retinol um we really don't like that because when you say 2%, um, that's that's incredibly high. That's way over the amount that you need. At max, you need 1%. But it's 2% of a retinal complex. You're only getting 0.2% retinal. That's where, like, it's really hard for us in terms of education. Like, when people, they understand, like, I need to make sure I'm getting enough, that they don't go overboard with percentages. Sometimes this can happen. So... Yeah, um, I would say agree. Mm-hmm. Valiant effort, but just understand that sometimes this can create some confusion. Yeah, and to be fair, like Hiram's retinol, he did call out the actual percentage yeah. of the active retinol. Uh, unlike some brands we've seen that like mm-hmm. calls it complex and it's very confusing. And I just, yeah. Anyway, and I think sometimes um, the word complex is complex. <laughs> like we yes. are actually, it's a great way. That's a great point. Yeah, so we call our ceramide complex using Mr. Reliable ceramide complex because it's SK Influx. Now that is a well-known complex in the skincare community. We don't call it that on our packaging because SK Influx is a supplier trade name. But you know, like that's that's what we use and that's what we talk about. Um, but for something like a green tea or encapsulated retinol, where it's there's no industry standard to what that complex is, then creates a, a bit of a gray area. Mm-hmm. So. Anyway, this is where our struggle is in terms of consumer education and yeah. That's a yeah, that's such a good point. Um we see anything that's a claim percentage as pure active, yeah. you know. And so with SK Influx being a blend of skin-friendly lipids and, you know, cholesterol, all these things that are good for your skin barrier, so that's why we see that as a, a ceramide complex. Um but yeah, agreed. So, anyways, uh, just some updated news, product news for you guys. Yeah, that's it. That's, right. it? that's it for news. That's it for the news. Oh, that prices right was executed so well. <laughs> I like it. I like it. We got her, guys. <laughs> it is time for the meat. Meat. Ah. Hold on, I'm still not over the stupid ass cream. Four hundred dollars. <laughs> Again, when you have a question about whether or not a skincare product is worth a price tag, use glorious metric of, if you can buy a PlayStation, it probably isn't worth it. Anyway, sorry, I digress. Now we're on to the meat. It's the meat. Um, today we are focusing on oily skin. Um, also because during summer, oily skin definitely tends to be a big focus and totally feel your pain <laughs> yes so yeah. um before we dive into it we mm-hmm. should mention that this isn't going to be our acne focused episode mm-hmm. i think a lot of them there is a lot of overlap to oily skin and acne mm-hmm. um but acne deserves its own episode uh, so today we're more or less talking about oily skin in a general sense and focusing on those sebaceous glands yeah uh with acne to follow hopefully shortly after hopefully <laughs> all right 
Um, so we're just going to do some very basic um, just biofacts. We're also going to share some like really fascinating studies that people have done on oily skin and then talk about products. Um, this is actually going to, I should also preface that this will be more of an in enrichment guide to our oily skin guide that's going to come out on our blog um which we will definitely have the link for you guys it is in totally the done <laughs> <laughs> yeah so first things first um we all know that oily skin at the core of it it starts with the sebaceous gland um and the big driver of how much sebum you produce um, is really due to hormones, genes and hormones. Yes, those are the one-two punch of why some people have are a lot more oily than yeah. others. The thing that people have mapped out with sebum output is that it definitely fluctuates during mm. your lifetime. Um, big time points are obviously like puberty. Not surprising. Yep. Uh, menopause, huge decline. Not um, surprising, very depressing. Yeah. And then even as you go grow older, even for males around when they are in the ages of 60 to 70, you'll start seeing that mm -hmm. sebum decline as well. Um, but we really want to emphasize that sebum's not all bad as much as you may hate how oily or shiny you may look. Um, it actually pr has a lot of great benefits. Um, it's actually quite a complex substance. It's uh, composed of triglycerides, wax esters, squalene. This isn't squalene. Yeah, and just to add, so we'll have the structure here, but squalene is the common skincare ingredient you'll find that's like a very inert, simple oil mm -hmm. that's got great, it's a very vanilla starting point for, mm -hmm. uh, for all skin types. Um, squalene is a closely related cousin, basically. It has a lot more kinks, and then squalene has a lot more double bonds, which makes it more active. Yeah, and we should also mention the reason why you don't see squalene in your skincare is because it is very oxidized-happy. unstable. <laughs> um, so that's why you rarely find it. And then finally, um, to add to your sebum, also is cholesterol. Mm -hmm. um, so the thing to know about it is that as the sebum makes its way to the surface from your sebaceous gland um by the way so this is probably not in a pr move for sebum in general but the way sebum gets released is these cells that like carry the sebum mm -hmm. they burst <laughs> yeah so it's like a little oil sac that goes Poof, i'm done here's your oil <laughs> <laughs> It's really not very glamorous at all, <laughs> but it's true. It is due to a cell. Um, and so what you should know is that it serves as your innate AOX system. Um, there's been a study done to actually show, to kind of understand how that works. And there's actually vitamin E and your natural CoQ10. Um, they actually serve as kind of like sacrificial lambs when your skin encounters the sun. Take it, me instead, yeah, not me cells. exactly. <laughs> so it, um, what they did was they studied sebum um, that had vitamin E and CoQ10 and then sebum that are, I guess, essentially squalene without vitamin E and CoQ10. Um, they put those situations, um, they uh, emitted some UV to it to see what happened and they saw that with vitamin E and CoQ10, you can you only had a 26% loss of squalene uh, versus without those two, you have a 90% loss of squalene. I should add that um, squalene is a very, very interesting um, subject of study in yeah. all things skincare. Yeah. Um, Cause while well, squalene is 
part of this protective system is a very integral part of your sebum. Um, scrolling peroxidation is a big topic that yeah. uh, can lead to irritation, inflammation, is linked to aging. aging and more severe cases of acne. So that's why it's important to have your vitamin E and CoQ10, uh, a healthy amount of it, swimming around in your sebum. Mm-hmm. Um, and one more thing is that uh, the sebum is also very in, uh, very important to skin hydration. Yeah. So the protective nature of it and the hydration um, hydration benefits of it means that those of you with dry skin like me who naturally don't produce as much sebum may see earlier signs of but I don't get acne, so there's that. Yeah. <laughs> Super tired. Grass is always greener on the other side. <laughs> yeah. So that's so if you always, for those of you lamenting about having too much sebum, do know that it does provide some good. And also it does act as an antimicrobial. Um, it's also an upregulator for your inflammatory response. These are all good things. Um, so it does, it is useful. Um, and the other thing we should point out is that the location of the sebaceous gland does matter. Mm-hmm. Um, Gloria found a cool stat on the... The density. <laughs> this isn't surprising and it correlates to probably your experience, but um, the concentration of se- uh, sebacytes or the cells that produce sebum on your skin um, vary by location. On your forehead, your T-zone, it can be as dense as 900 um, sebacytes per square centimeter. On your uh, forearm, it could be as little as under 50. Um, So, yeah, it's not surprising that certain places tend to be congestion or acne hot zones or that shine zone. Um, I should add that. I think I was thinking about it. It's just like me musing. Um, This is why... Think forearm studies with antioxidants. Yes, I, was just <laughs> I think it's a great way to look at say antioxidant studies because your forearm lacks a natural sebum protection. It's it, it it's probably does doesn't do so hot under um, UV light. Yeah. Um. But then you can think about it, it's probably not so great for other types of study if you want to study hydration. Hydration. Um. Pore, uh, anything. Well, you don't really see acne type studies on form anyway. Mainly hydration. Yeah, so it's uh, so hydration form studies is just a not super duper accurate snapshot of how things work. So yeah, yeah, yeah. agreed. Um, also, we should mention that you know there are different types of sebaceous gland, or I guess sizes, um, and it's really based on the hair follicle size. So this actually explains our T zone because our T zone happens to have the a more concentrated area of larger hair follicles which means you have sebaceous glands that are a little bit more active and that's why it actually validates that the t-zone is actually scientifically makes sense um so i thought that piece was really cool and because you know there's different um concentrations of different types of sebaceous glands sizes hair follicles all of this Mm-hmm. Um, people like to argue that everybody's face is actually combination mm. just because the output of oil is different. Yeah, I mean, I guess that makes sense. I think sometimes when we first started mm-hmm. um, Kevin's Confessions and we started creating products, we really wanted to get away from talking about skin types in general yeah. um, because at the end of the day, everyone goes through changes mm-hmm. and throughout your life, you experience some level of every skin type out yes, there yes. and that comes from different zones on your skin mm-hmm. and different age um that you're in so so yeah but at the end of the day people are still like really used to re- like kind of categorizing their skin con- uh, skin into these buckets 
Um, so yeah, we'll try to break it down by skin type, and I don't know where the conclusion is on that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought you had it. <laughs> I sounded so good. Yeah, I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and I fizzled out. <laughs> <laughs> and this is why we do these things. <laughs> this is why we don't let Coria make cocktails all the time. <laughs> and this is why we are talking about suicide. <laughs> all right. Um, do you want to get into hormones? Well, okay. So really quickly, as Victoria briefly mentioned, you get a spike in sebum production during <laughs> um during. Uh, puberty, not surprising, and then dips uh, in menopause in later stages yeah. of life, also not surprising. Um, so uh, at the end of the day, sebum, other than your genetic predisposition for how dense these um, se- sebum producing sites are on your skin, it, it's all dictated by hormones. Yeah. Um, so uh, the biggest one is 5-alpha DHT, which stands for dihydrotestosterone, I believe. Um, and that is produced from testosterone and the enzyme 5-alpha reductase. All very nerdy talk, really quick. But again, this is sometimes you'll hear these things being targeted by um, anti-oiliness um, skincare ingredients. Mm. Um, but at the end of the day, this is why... This is why... Men get a lot of acne during puberty, and women can have period acne, which is actually very, very a huge problem. Right, and I was gonna say that um, one stat to know is that at every any given time point, statistically, uh, the male will have oilier skin type than the female because of the uh, honestly level. because of testosterone levels. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah, that's just the nature of things. I actually also wanted to add that this is a personal anecdote. My skin, those of you who's been listening to us for some time, my skin's very, very dry. Mm-hmm. That's why I said I'll be mute this episode. Um, but as I am aging, I've noticed bigger changes during when I'm on my period. Mm. I don't I don't think it's a changing hormone levels per se, but that's like one of the changes I'm experiencing is mm. um, my regular fluxes is more dramatic than before before i'm just like vanilla dry but now it's like when i'm on my period it gets a very greasier on my nose <laughs> oh okay yeah. interesting um yeah so i think after all that there's surprisingly there has been a lot of studies just trying to understand sebum mm-hmm. and sebum flow rate and it gets all very nerdy but sebum flow rate yeah, so i think just, i have a phd is, in sebum flow rate let me tell you guys this is really not the most appetizing of episodes <laughs> but hopefully it will get you to understand and appreciate your oily skin and understand that it's just the way of Sebum flow rate, you can think of it as how fast those oil sacks pop on your face and deliver <laughs> sebum to the top All right, maybe, with, maybe without Gloria's commentary. <laughs> yes, go on, sebum flow rate. All right, so rate of sebum output. They have studied that um, it takes three hours for your face to totally replace the removed sebum from your face. Um, but for huh. oily skin individuals, it only takes two hours. Um, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing that kind of supplements to that is um, one lab actually tried to defat the skin by just wiping the face with ether, which I'm like, that's so wait, horrible. Wait, hold on. <laughs> wait, wait. Horrible <laughs> for face. Did they specify which kind? Like, so what funny. kind of ether? I know, but it's just it's something that's just incredibly drying and also, volatile. Also, yeah, for those of you who forgot what 
or get or go lab is yeah. like in school stay away from ether because you're not supposed to be breathing that shit in exactly <laughs> yeah <laughs> so they wiped probably in the forehead area they completely removed it mm. and um they found that they could see sebum droplets um start appearing under a microscope in 15 minutes that's how quickly your skin's like responding to your situation and um actually they can see those droplets droplets become visible um, to the naked eye just within 40 minutes. So Ooh. if that can tell you, like, how active your sebaceous glands are working and these sebocytes are popping, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I must go now. <laughs> My epidermis needs me. <laughs> Very sacrificial. Um, yeah. Another lab, actually, they applied cigarette paper to the mm-hmm. forehead of two individuals. So think of cigarette paper like your kind of like oil blotting paper. Not mm-hmm. the clean and clear blue sh- sheets. It's more like that kind of like waxy. <laughs> the, blue, the blue shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yes, that. <laughs> yes. Um, so they did that um, to two individuals. They wiped their forehead at 10-minute intervals for six hours. My God. Okay. It sounds like a hazing ritual. Thank you for donating your skin to science. And I feel like it's some poor undergrad who's trying to get research credit. And uh, and the grad student's like, yeah, just do this every 10 minutes. Like, what? Yeah, for six hours. See ya. (laughs) Yeah, probably. What poor undergrad had to do that? So the cool thing is the authors concluded that it was actually physiologically impossible to remove all the oil from your follicular reservoir. It just never stops. And um, it also, like for me, when I read that part of the study, I was like, oh, I guess this really explains like oil blotting paper. Yeah. Like, and how- to keep using it. Exactly. Like it's not a, it's not a long-term fix. Like it's truly just a temporary moment to not look shiny. I just, I can just picture all the sebacides, like oil blotting papers like, yeah and then i have like a really wild tinfoil hat oh i'm starting to call it i well i thought about it i was like it's there's no it's very baseless i was like i guess we should call it clown theory oh we should get a clown hat (laughs) (laughs) or a clown red nose yeah next episode so yeah but i was thinking like what does this mean for like oil absorbing powders Mm -hmm. especially when they put those in moisturizers like oh yeah yeah if your sebaceous glands are going to compensate for that in the long term when you stop using those moisturizers like not necessarily saying that it's driving the output of it but it's clearly needing to compensate for the removal of your 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 sebum so yeah. yeah, I mean, if you go back to some of our early work, um, we've never been fans of um, sebum-absorbing powder. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it, it, it's putting a tiny band-aid on it. So for some people, it can help. But uh, for me personally, obviously, it doesn't work very well. Mm-hmm. And then I also have seen some of those powders, because it absorbs sebum throughout the day, it creates a very garbage um, texture over time as yeah. well. Yeah. So it's actually a question. I actually find oil blotting paper to be the least offensive of that kind of product. If you need a quick freshen up, it won't really, it's not really going to disturb. You're not leaving it on, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. I kind of agree with that. I mm-hmm. prefer the oil blotting because um, oil absorbing on your moisturizer long term, um, also the amount of powder put in products, especially in makeup that's supposed to be mattifying, obviously much higher. So 
that's where it's just like, you know, at the end of the day, all of these mattifying oil absorbing powders, just think of it more as to get you through an event and not so much like long-term care. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyways. All right. Another really fascinating aspect they looked at with sebum is temperature. So Ooh. they actually found that there is a direct correlation between sebum excretion sebum excretion rate which i'm sorry it doesn't sound it's very nice. even more attractive than <laughs> popping seat like oil blocks not very glamorous it needs a whole like pr revamp your skin is excreting oil you're welcome guys <laughs> anyway so a direct correlation between sebum excretion rate and temperature and we found that just with a one degree celsius increase in temperature you increase your sebum output by 10%. Yeah, so it's not in your head. When it's hot out, you are producing more oil. Yeah. And <clears throat> I find this interesting. I think it was a couple episodes ago when we talked about inflammation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's temperature or like putting putting stuff in the fridge sounds hokey, but temperature is actually one yeah. of those surprisingly well-studied factors to yeah. skin aging and oil production. I totally agree. I was just thinking how like temperature in terms of both cooling and warming mm-hmm. are very important. It's just important aspect that a lot of people don't think about. And I don't know if you remember when we went to Euroclear, Angela mm-hmm. was talking to us about like, if you don't have an esthetician and you need to pop that pimple, like what you should do. Mm-hmm. And she talked about like, warming the area mm. with a heat pad or some a warm cloth and like that's exactly why mm-hmm. so i thought that was really cool um also i have another tinfoil hat theory oh my god this opportunities <laughs> with actual no tinfoil hat this episode yeah. Go on. <laughs> so i feel like people have been blaming sunscreens this whole time for causing acne mm-hmm. when i feel like it's they just don't understand that when it's hot how hot outside that that's the reason why it's causing more sebum uh. output. The more sebum you have, the more potential for acne. So anyways, I just think that there could be a little less hate towards sunscreens causing your breakouts. Just oh. a little bit. Well, I think that makes a lot of sense because it's all tied together. So yeah. <laughs> it's like you're screwed from the beginning with or without sunscreen. So <laughs> yeah. please wear your sunscreen. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So um, another thing that was really interesting. I'm just so fascinated by these people who have studied it to such degree. Um, they saw that sweat can impart the look of oiliness um, mm. and kind of increase the shine. And the theory is that when sweat and oil mix, it kind of causes, it emulsifies and Ew. creates that shine. The worst! Oh my god, who's doing these studies? The worst! Yeah, so if you're a sweater and you're wondering if sweat causes you, I, I think oh I remember a college god. student asking us about this, like how much he sweats and he just feels like it makes his skin like so oily. That's, that's actually the reason why. It's the perception of oiliness. Oh my god, these people actually got a grant to put a scientific reason behind your insecurities. <laughs> But it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. So, um, and then finally, they have also looked at diet. Mm. Um, I've had five adult males. <laughs> I love this study. <laughs> five adult males eat two bars of chocolate every day for a month. I love chocolate, but that sounds like torture. <laughs> like a full bloody bar of chocolate. Two bloody bars of chocolate. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... But they didn't find any significant um, data. You know, they just it didn't find any significant alter in sebum production or composition of sebum. Guys, this is great news because they ate 
two full bloody bars of chocolate <laughs> a day for two months and didn't see much uh, for a month and didn't really see much of a change. So your daily intake of chocolate is probably safe. <laughs> yeah. um, another one they did was 18 obese patients. They had to undergo fasts for mm. periods of four to eight weeks, but they actually found a 40% reduction in sebum output. When they're fasting? Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, after their fast period, oh. um, which is incredibly significant. Um, but I did want to say that, um, you know, it's a pretty significant lifestyle change. You can't say that. If a normal person went through fasting in this manner, you would see the same results. Clearly, it has to be a really significant like lifestyle change. Yeah, and also I'm sure it's like linked to other than caloric deprivation. I'm yeah. sure it's linked to like just the drastic reducing fat intake. Yeah. Which, if you don't need to go through that, um, going on too low of fat is actually not great for your skin yeah. in general. Yeah, so, good yeah. point. Um, and then finally, they looked at low glycemic load. They found that it didn't seem to change the sebum output, but it did affect the composition of sebum. We'll get more into this later with acne, but that's important to overall health of skin. Yeah, so uh, fun fact, um, we call out low GI diet a few times um, on subjects like acne, now oily skin. Mm -hmm. Also, it's been looked at for um, skin aging, aging for Mm -hmm. glycation. Uh, I have to say, it's um, one of those topics that I, so when I was doing this research, I'm like, oh, maybe I'll go lower GI for a while. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> After a while, I'm just like, I need me white rice. Me carbs. Me, me white bread. Me I just want a slice of Texas toast. <laughs> Three slices of cheddar. Me croissants. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, totally agree. Very difficult. Anyways, all right. So that's all the, that's the general idea of all the studies that they've, that they've done to it. Wow. <laughs> okay. I fed Victoria poison, <laughs> and she finished her poison. All right. So yes. So that's all the studies that they've done to really understand oily skin. Um, let's talk some products. Mm-hmm. Um, we won't get into moisturizers or um, really too much into sunscreens. Um, but let's talk about some of the like cult favorites in oily skin. And I think one of the biggest categories has always been toners. Yeah, so we totally get it. It's it's that light texture, and old school toners have alcohol, which kind of helps you take off that excess mm-hmm. sebum. So it feels very very refreshing. Yeah. Um, but does it help? Yeah. So I mean, in terms of, I mean, you've already seen like through the other studies where they've used basically ether, and they've used <laughs> they've been constantly wiping the skin. You know, um, it. It's not going to help reduce the oil. Um, Your sebaceous gland is very robust at ensuring that your face is nicely coated in sebum. So in terms of long-term care, not so much. Um, And we definitely wouldn't say that alcohol is a must for oily skin. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think the other thing that is really under question is just how important it is to have AHAs or BHAs in terms of sebum regulation. Um, there's really not that much that says that it does help. Yeah, so again, there's like the complexity of oily skin problems. A lot of times people lump them all together, yeah. such as acne, congested skin, and oiliness. Yeah. So oiliness is actually a very, very different concept. Yeah. So things like BHA, uh, excess sebum can cause um, con- a crystallization of sebum and yeah. then con- skin congestion. BHA can help with that. But it, there's nothing that indicates that it will help reduce sebum production in the long run. Exactly. 
Um, another thing that um, tends to be a favorite are face sprays, things mm. like witch hazel, um, the Veen water spray. Um, Actually, witch hazel is huge in this category. Huge. <laughs> can't find jack shit. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> to this day, still, it is, witch hazel is a very mysterious ingredient for mm. us. Um, I do want to say, like, Gloria found a great paper on how the Avene water does help with, in terms of soothing aspect, um, and we can see it being helpful in this manner, but in terms of, you know, helping you manage oily skin, we would say maybe that's that's not what that would be for, mm-hmm. um, so that would be our general theory behind it. By the way, quick aside on the Levine paper, if you want to read more about it, it's on our blog. I've got the link here. But uh, I find it uh, interesting that both Levine and Lourdes Posse, I think they have clinics and basically spas in France that does these tests. Some of them are like power washing people with these <laughs> thermal water. Yeah. So like it's not just like oh, yeah, being liberal true. with it. They're like, like hosing their face down with thermal yep, water. Yep, yep. <laughs> Sounds about right. Oh, yeah. Um, And then we should talk about cleansers. Probably the most passionate category for oily skin types. Mm -hmm. Um, If you just do a quick Google of cleansers out there that are good for oily skin, it's literally any type of cleanser. Yeah. Um, Cetaphil, Neutrogena, all of these have completely different surfactant systems. So because of that... I just think the takeaway generally is that it just oil-free doesn't really guarantee that it's going to work for your skin. Yeah, actually, I think that's such a great point. When yeah. we're doing when we're doing our cleanser guides, link here. <laughs> it's um, we get a lot of questions about oh, like I want to choose a cleanser that doesn't have cell acid, but they all have it. At first, I was like, what do you mean they all have it? Well, there's plenty of cleansers that don't have it. And I realized that. People with oily skin want to just shop for cleansers that's mm-hmm. advertised for oily skin. But the reality is you don't really need to. Yeah. Um, would you say it's one of the harder things is to train out of looking for the squeaky? Oh, yeah, feel? definitely. Because mm-hmm. I think that's the only cue you get that your face is clean. clean yeah. You know, and when all you want is to not be greasy, like you, it's a positive um, signal for you. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's incredibly hard. Um, I think it's, so I always say, I was trying to find an analogy for this. It's like finding your cleanser is like trying to find the perfect bra, like underwear, it's like a feeling. By the way, finding the perfect bra, the perfect bra does not exist. <laughs> I can go on for hours about how the bra industry is bullshit. <laughs> It is not meant to be comfortable at all. No. <laughs> I think um, Third Love does a great diagram breaking down different like boob shapes and stuff like that. So you're looking at it be like, oh, yes, yes, yes. I'm more like this, less like that. Ah, oh, this should work. And you buy it, you put it on your life. Yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't feel that. I don't know. It's, it's still a bra. Are you also convinced that your boob shape is just not of this earth? Yeah. <laughs> that's how sometimes I feel. I feel like that's how, like, girls, most women with normal boobs will probably look in the mirror and feel like it's like this. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, speak to me. It's and the, so true. And the thing is, I don't know. I don't know why it's so hard. Yeah. By the way, guys, if you've never went bra shopping in Asia, um, just be mentally prepared that those grandmas don't give a shit about me. <laughs> they won't go in there and help you fondle and reposition your boobs. Can and, confirm yeah. they are, um, they're just, they are not shy. 
they will if you're not you're not gonna be ready for when they come in. <laughs> you're not you gonna ready? be ready. <laughs> you're not gonna be ready for when they scoop you. <laughs> My hand is cold <laughs> and bony. <laughs> Ah, God, yeah. So anyways, it does feel a little bit like that. It is a feeling. um, Elusive one. Yeah, so, but, you know, I think it can be just stick with it, um, finding the right one, that's it, you're set. You never have to think about it ever again. So other than that, okay, finally, I think the last category we should talk about is claim asks. Mm. Um, Honestly, it can be very helpful. Um, There is a study, um, this doesn't, quite just focus on clay masks. Um, Clarisonic actually did a study with their cleansing brush and using a clay mask two times a week. Um, and they did find that it helped reduce pore count and pore size. Cool. Yeah, which I thought was cool. And um, the other thing we should mention is um, sometimes you'll hear pore size, but you won't hear about like sebum reduction. Um, they are able to um, correlate that pore size and sebum reduction. There is a there is a link. Um, so I do want to like point that out there that sometimes that's another claim you can kind of look for and you kind of extrapolate that this can be helpful for oily skin um, if that gives you any clarity. Um, and then finally, we should talk about for clay masks. Um, it's just helpful for your actives, right? Yeah. So Victor, I mentioned the concept of defatting your face. Mm-hmm. Now, do not defat your face with the ether at home, <laughs> but you can do it with clay masks mm-hmm. um, because actives are AHAs, and a lot of your first layer of ingredients are usually water-based. Mm-hmm. And your sebum, because it's it's an oil, it's gonna prevent these things from really entering. Um, in fact, if you go to an office for a more intensive chemical peel, the first step they do is wipe down your face with ethanol or acetone or something to completely degrease your face so that it can penetrate. At home, clay mask is actually wonderful for that purpose. Yeah, great. So I think um, just to sum up, because we threw a lot of really, you know, just all sorts of ideas about oily skin. Um, we should mention that oily skin doesn't mean hydrated skin. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of Oily skin types tend to think that they absolutely do not need a moisturizer, and that's actually not true. They're not, you need to think of them kind of separately in the sense, you know, you have your sebaceous gland doing its thing, you've got your, you know, skin barrier doing its own thing, you also have your water components. These all need to work well, they also work together, but they're different aspects. So um, it's just understand that while you may be oily, you can still lack those very important water components and that's why it does justify using you know a more like watery kind of like gel cream or just water gel um, to help you with moisture um and then the other thing is that uh you probably will produce more oil if one you're a guy i am not (laughs) that's that's good (laughs) um and then two um it's summertime um, and then also final thoughts on, are you a sweater? Because if you're a sweater, it might make you think you're very oily. Um, and that's just a shine situation going on. Yes. So, uh, that's, uh, that's our oily skin overview. Um, well, I want to add that there's the slightly unfortunate thing is there are very few ingredients with validated efficacy in terms of long-term sebum yeah. reduction. That's why we didn't spend a lot of time on this. Um, we'll have a blog post where we talk about some of these ingredients, so look forward to that. <laughs> yeah, um, just quick run through, niacinamide, we like that. 
Um, there is one paper on green tea extract being helpful, but which green tea extract is a mystery. So that's kind of the general snapshot, give you guys an idea. Um, all right, that's it. I think we are moving Ooh. on to the animal fun fact. Yay! So. Today's not my term, so it's time <laughs> to... Break, break, break it up, break, break, break it up, break, break, break it up, break, break, break it up. Woo! All right, today is my turn. Yay! All right, today we are talking about the archer fish. Um, so in the spirit of the Olympics, potentially, hopefully. It's still happening. It's still happening. <laughs> okay. Uh, I wanted to talk about the archer fish um, because this guy is tiny. It's like not, will never grow more than like seven inches. That's what she um, said. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so nervous, but it's so funny. Okay. All right. Go, go. Uh, go on. <laughs> this fish lives in mainly the fresh waters of the mangroves. Um, from their name, you might be able to guess, but this is the fish that spits water to shoot down bugs for it to <laughs> eat. Um, but the fascinating thing about this fish is that it shoots such a powerful jet of water that it can actually, the ability to actually dislodge an insect, um, is actually quite difficult. It needs mm. to be pretty strong. And, um, the adult archer fish, they are so accurate that it, they really will only need just one shot. Oh, They're that's pretty that good. accurate. Yeah, so really cool. Wait, um, where do I keep a bucket of them? <laughs> I have these little fruit flies around my house right now because we have a, uh, we have a fig tree. Yeah. And yeah, it's a problem. Well, the most fascinating thing is they can shoot up to three meters. That's wow. like how long for being a tiny fish. Um, and what I learned was this is the fish has been studied pretty heavily because um biologists realize it doesn't make sense that this fish can generate that much power mm-hmm. shooting it so um one thing that they admired about this fish is that um they're kind of like physics geniuses because they have to calculate for the water refraction mm-hmm. of light in the bend because oh, wow. they're in water right uh-huh. and you're trying to aim for an insect above water mm-hmm. so you have to account for that when you aim oh. and the other thing is like they have great eyesight they actually have to position themselves so that the targets in a specific part of their retina mm. for accuracy and then finally um what really fascinated them was just their ability to manipulate water um because they found they actually brought in a team of physicists to study the arch of water. Oh, I thought they were like to <laughs> <laughs> Okay, okay, yeah. But they, yeah, they tracked the the jet of water coming out, and they said that um, the droplet actually increases as it over time, which is oh. actually very difficult to do. Wait, um, what? Yeah. So the fish actually manipulates its mouth in a way that creates a lot of pressure and uh-huh. they're able to use manipulate water so that it's like a bunch of droplets moving out and it ends up in a bullet oh it's fascinating. really crazy and so um they actually measured that you know a typical vertebrates muscle it maxes out at 50 watts per kg mm-hmm. um but that water droplet produces 3,000 watts per kg so it's so actually impressive. pretty it's a bullet mm-hmm. um so yeah anyways you can actually consider it a true water bender um and the other thing that's really i thought that was kind of cute is this is actually a learned skill mm-hmm. um so when they're young 
um, they're much less accurate. So when they <laughs> practice, they actually practice in schools so that oh, they have so a higher probability of shooting <laughs> <Like> their food. <laughs> so yeah, actually, I that that's the archer fish. If you're ever curious, in the shower, try spitting at a target. See how far you get. <laughs> oh, this is a good one. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, so that's the archer fish. Yay. All right. So that's it. That's it. It's time for... Oh, I thought it was the end. <laughs> oh, goodbye. <laughs> All right. Uh, it's time for Q&A. All right. Let's uh, keep it let's short. Do we have it. a quick one and then a pretty long one. So um, the first question is, I love this article. It's a combined active, like a pro one. Uh, it's <laughs> a, it gave me a little bit of sense of direction on where to go based on the advice. How should I divide my routine in order to incorporate vitamin C, retinol, and acids? I would like to use them all, but don't know how to go about doing it. Like, when should I use it on what days and times? Please help. Mm. All right. So, <clears throat> first things first, if you have never used any of these things, start with one at a time. Pick one. Yeah. We oh, wouldn't yeah. recommend jumping into all three at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, most vanilla starting place is vitamin C. Mm-hmm. Um, use it every morning as your morning serum. Yeah. Say, like, first or second step after cleansing, depending on how complex your routine is. Um, after uh, two, three weeks, if your skin is fine and you're not experiencing any irritation, um, I would say move on to incorporating AHAs. Mm. Uh, do it at night. If you're a complete AHA newbie, um, do maybe just a 10% serum yeah. of, say, lactic acid to start. Yeah. I will say that even though lactic acid, generally speaking, is a bigger and more gentle molecule compared to glycolic. Um, some people can be irritated by mm. glyco- uh, by lactic, but not glycolic. So mm. just kind of patch test to see where your skin's at. But I would say 8 to 10% is probably the magic place to start. Nightly. <sighs> Nightly. And then it's time for retinol. Yeah, and I would say for retinol, this is where um, if you feel like you really don't have a mastery of the first two, maybe... Um, hold off. Hold off, yeah. Because... Again, like retinol is definitely the type of ingredient that it definitely wants to be your main squeeze and it wants you to kind of wrap the rest of your actives around it just because of all the side effects it can bring. Um, so with retinol, take it real easy. Maybe one one to two times a week just to understand how your skin is doing. Do you see flaking, dryness, redness, flushing? You know, any sort of any of those signals can give you an idea that, hey, Maybe one to two is good enough for me at this point. Um, And with that, we should say that on the days that, actually with retinol, is I actually would recommend not doing AHAs Mm -hmm. when you're first starting out because you need to understand what your skin is like just on retinol. Um, And that way, when you want to start layering the exfoliants, that's way that way you know, like, hey, this is making my skin more reactive, and how to dial back. So that would be the best place to start for me. Yeah, and that is such a good point. I'm someone that's um pretty sensitive to retinol. When I'm on it, I uh, my skin is typically very, very, very acid tolerant. I can do thirty percent glycolic mask once a week. Yeah. Even up to twice a week, not recommended for most people. I'm fine. But when I'm on retinol, uh, I find that my skin is much more sensitized uh, Mm -hmm. to AHAs. Mm -hmm. And I kick back to a baby steps, you know. Um, Totally agree. So, yeah. 
Next one, uh, next. This one is a dense one. So we, in our antioxidant um, article, we call CoQ10 as one that we're like, yeah, about. Um, so Emily pointed, I found a study and asked us what we think of this study. Um, this, uh, basically, she mentioned that, uh, what do you think of this research paper on CoQ10? I can't access the full article, only the abstract. But there are many like it, and it seems to highlight CoQ10 in a very positive light. Um, so we did pull up the full paper, and uh, we're gonna go through it really fast. <laughs> yeah. So this, uh, the paper she mentioned, is a review paper of CoQ10. This is from 1999. Um, in just summary, it does have a few in vitro studies. There's an in vivo penetration study done on porcine skin. There's also an in vivo study done on it using um, as an eye cream for six months. Um, but yeah, uh, we should mention just from the um, the penetration study done, uh, I guess like the point of this question, it's a, first of all, great question because we get to actually talk about the differences in studies. Um, we don't give in vitro that much merit when it yeah. comes to justifying the ingredient as a skincare ingredient. The reason being is because, yes, you understand how it works when it directly interacts with cells, but the ingredient actually has to travel a very long way to reach the cell. So you, there's a lot of things that have to happen that you need to validate before it actually gets to that, to that interaction. And that's why, like, for in vitro, we're like, it gives us a hint at how, what it might be able to do, but you can't say that it actually will perform that and it's actually going to make it to the target. Yeah, and a lot of times we do see ingredients that have interesting in vitro data yeah. doesn't really hold up in in vivo, and not to mention in the in vitro step, um, where our problem is too, is they're not using formulas, right? It's mm -hmm. usually the raw material in some sort of solvent that's never going to be used in that way um, in, a, in a serum. Yeah, and to add on to that, um, it's great they did an in vivo penetration study, but Again, to what Gloria was saying, um, it's CoQ10 dissolved in ethanol, which just isn't the best. I mean, first of all, it's cheating. <laughs> yeah. So if you put 3% of anything in 97% ethanol, it's going to penetrate that's, pretty well. It's literally the ideal way to penetrate your skin. So that's why it's to us, like, we're like, oh, cool, but not that interesting. Yeah, it doesn't really mean anything. And not to mention, some, it's not on human skin either. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's actually, that's half of the review paper. So basically, we look at those, we look at the methodology, we're like, yeah, cool story, cool. Next. So then, um, not surprising, we place a lot more weight in the in vivo studies actually done on human skin. Mm -hmm. um, the first one is done on 13 people. Um, using 0.3% CoQ10 for just seven days on the forearm. forearm. I will say the nicest thing about this study is that it is um, there is a placebo involved mm. in this forearm study. Mm -hmm. study. Um, what they use is they use a method that they call ultra-weak photon emission to detect the excited state. So what that means is um, if you have proper antioxidant protection, you're not supposed to see that excited photon state in your skin. So I will say that that isn't, this paper's from 99. I haven't seen a lot of other papers that use that methodology. That's true. Yeah, so um, the 
the Dr. Pinnell studies we referenced like two, three episodes ago, those are like MED. So that's like much harsher doses where you will see burns on skin that's not protected. This is a much milder form of it. Not to say it's not valid. I just want to mention that it's hard for us to compare it to other studies. True. Um, I mean, just looking at this, um, first of all, it's just on forearm, you know, um, but at the same time, uh, I would say that with just N equals 13, it's like, it's interesting. So the good thing is that they do follow up with another in vivo of N, N equals 20, um, where they use the same amount, 0.3%. They use it once a day for six months, which is, that's a long time, um, to actually study the skin topography um, around the eye area. Um, and they did find a 20% decrease in wrinkle depth. So... All in all, it's it's interesting, and it, well, to give her credit for that, the the problem is like when we try to actually look at the formula. I'll be honest, I could not figure out what the formula was. Is it still in alcohol? Is it in a solution? Is it in a emulsion? Like these things do matter um, for us. So I I say like, oh, that's interesting. That's actually the first piece of decent data we've heard on CoQ10. But what makes us skeptical is that it's from 1999. We haven't heard anything since. <laughs> yeah, and usually people in CoQ10 does have good enough press and marketing drive that that if it's not, if it's if there's more to it, I just feel like for a hype ingredient and not really seeing anything much better than this since, that's kind of why we place in the iffy bucket. Um, that said, um, our little disclaimer at the end of the article did mention that even those in the iffy bucket is more validated than yep. like super hype trend ingredients or your next like, you know, Joe Schmo's extract. fancy plant oil. Yes. So yeah. yeah, thank you for bringing this paper to your attention. Um, hope it makes sense the way we broke it down. Um, and yeah, and for all of you guys listening, a lot of times like we're just two people. We try to do our homework to the best of our abilities, but absolutely possible we miss a paper or two so like send it our way and we'll give our thoughts yeah and you know at the end of the day i will say it's still not enough data for me um just because it's i i I just feel like um these ingredients it's just one of the things that does validate and gives us promise is just robustness of data so for us we're looking at one specific lab that's looking at this We don't know all the complete details. We want to see more, and hopefully that would be the case to change our our minds, um, which would be great because it adds another AOX possibility to the category. So we'll definitely keep our eyes on this. So thanks, Emily, for sending this our way. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I think that wraps it up. Yay, wrap it up like a burrito. (laughs) (laughs) We know, it's on Gloria's mind. Gloria, what do you think is next? Uh, I think we have to follow this up with a dedicated episode to acne. Or follow up with uh, a similar breakdown to dry skin. Dry skin! Dry skin. (laughs) We're shopping acne? Well, we've lied about what's to come before, and who's to say we're not lying right now? Um, So also let us know what you'd like us to cover. Um, Let us know if this was helpful. You know where to find us. I was just going to say, Gloria, where can they find us? Um, But yeah, you can find us on Instagram at chemist.confessions. Email us at info at chemistconfessions.com or just check out the website. Um, but otherwise, um, yeah, if you have any burning skincare questions, that's where you can find us. <laughs> otherwise, we'll see you guys next time. Yay!